So number, question number 22 was, or not question, statement, worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. We did pretty good on answering that. We had uh, 26 completely, you know, fully disagree with it, five slightly disagree, one not sure, and then one in each of the others. So we, we answered it pretty well. But there's also something else to this that I want to cover. But as I start covering this, let's first set the scene for what, what was the cultural context. Whenever we're reading in the Bible, and especially in the letters later, uh, you know, after the, the Gospels and stuff, when we're reading about any time people are coming together, meeting together, the church assembling, what's the context? Like, what do they have in their minds? What is the picture of that? And so first to set the scene, let's go to Acts 2.42. And verse 46. So Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Which that really helps us think about Thanksgiving too. But this is the context. They the church, this is what Jesus did to their lives. They were meeting together every day. They were breaking bread in one another's homes. I mean, it wasn't, they weren't all meeting together every day as we do the assembly on the Lord's day, but they were getting together constantly and eating together and being thankful together and and giving together and doing all kinds of things. They were devoted to the apostles teaching and to fellowship. And, and it's a sad thing that we've come to a place now where it's tough to get people to gather together with their brothers and sisters in Christ once a week. And that's not even including eating together. And if you do go to church every single Sunday, you're seen as like the radical, crazy, faithful people. And that's once a week just for a couple hours. But that's where we've come, as opposed to the context that we see in the early church. Now, again, I mean, when we see something happening in the New Testament, that doesn't mean that it's a direct command that we do the same things. But we need to think about, like, why would people do this? What kind of love, what kind of transformation in their lives would cause them to live like this? And have we lost it? And sometimes, sometimes we have. But as we continue on thinking about, well, what is the teaching about the church? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, Thanksgiving there. But... Teaching, what are we supposed to let the word of God dwell richly in us, teaching and admonishing one another? And who is the one another that Paul would have in mind in this letter? Well, it's not just you by yourself at home. That's not teaching and admonishing one another. And it's not just you and your family at home either. It is the body of Christ. When we see the one another's in the New Testament, the context is the body of Christ, brothers and sisters 
following Jesus together, committing themselves to his purpose and his mission that he's given us. And he created the church so that we can fulfill that purpose and mission. We can't do it by ourselves. Of course, we can't do it without him, but he gave us one another. And then John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how, one of the greatest ways that the Bible teaches us to know, for, for other people to know that we love God, that we are followers of Jesus, is that they see our love for one another. And they cannot see that when we're sitting behind a screen at home. They see it when they see God's people gathering together, visibly, openly. And what is it though to love our fellow Christians? By this you will know if you have love for one another. What does that look like? What does it look like to have love for one? What, you're not loving me if you're neglecting being together with me for worship. You're not loving me if you're neglecting to, to teach me, to admonish me, as we just saw in Colossians 3. You're not loving me if you're neglecting to come sing with me and pray with me and, and share, carry my burdens with me to share in the work of the kingdom. You see, going, trying to live out your faith alone is selfish and it is unloving. It's unloving to the Lord and it's unloving to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, this is kind of crazy, I know, but when Jesus called us to follow him, he said to pick up our crosses and, and to follow him. And that actually means like not just living for ourselves anymore. We start living for him and for other people. You know, Philippians teaches us to consider others as more important than ourselves. And when we say, well, I'm just going to worship God at, at home. I'm just going to worship God in, in the tree stand while I'm hunting. I'm just going to worship God in the boat while I'm fishing. I'm just going to worship God, whatever. That's not loving. That's unloving and it's selfish. But the big one that I wanted to get to was Hebrews 10, 24 through 26. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. See the one another there again? This is how it starts. Stir, one, stir up one another to love and good works. You can't do that when you're not around one another. But he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says, do not neglect to meet together. And what would be the context of that? Of course, we know that in, in Acts, they were meeting together all the time, but the, the early church developed, especially the gathering together of everyone, everyone in, the, in that particular local church on the Lord's day, which was a Sunday because of the resurrection, and that is the body of Christ meeting together. And he says, don't neglect it. 
And here's, he says, as is the habit of some. But here's the problem. Most Christians, when they read this, they misread it. And here's what, they read the words right, but then in their minds, here's what they think. I should not make a habit of neglecting the meeting together. That is not what the writer says. That is not what God's word says. See, that would be like us reading, don't murder as is the habit of some. And we say, see, so, okay, fine. We shouldn't have the habit of murdering. No, you shouldn't murder. Like not even once. One time is bad, okay? It's not just like, don't get into the habit of murdering. No, don't murder. And here it says, don't neglect the meeting together as is the habit of some. So it's not saying don't get into the habit like they do. No, just don't neglect it. And so what does that look like? I mean, there's grace. There's always grace in God's people and in God's world. I mean, we have, we should have more grace than anybody, but so if you can't make it, that's okay. Sometimes people can't, they just, it's not even feasible. They cannot get to the meeting together. They're sick and they shouldn't be there because they would risk other people or they're hurt and they can't be there or they're disabled in, in a way that makes them be bedridden or homebound and they can't make it. Okay. But then that's not what most church attendance, people missing church, that's not what's happening, right? See, neglecting is any time that it's like, we can be there. And we know we should be there, but we're just not going to be there. And we don't have the excuse of, ah, oh, I just don't feel like it. Or, ah, oh, it's just inconvenient. Or, I'd rather do something else today. That's not what the Bible says. And in fact, the Bible doesn't have, it, it explicitly talks about our gathering together as believers. The Bible never explicitly says, do not neglect your kid's sporting event. Do not neglect the Ducks game. Do not neglect whatever it is that you love to do, that you would make sure that you prioritize. No matter what happens, you're like, I'm going to go to this. No, it says, do not neglect meeting together with your brothers and sisters in Christ to worship. That is what we are called to not neglect. Of course, we shouldn't neglect our families either, but there's nothing explicit about don't neglect that particular thing, but there is about this particular thing. And that's important. And then how does it end? All the more as you see the day drawing near. So we look back and we're like, oh, of course they were meeting together like that. They were the early church. They, they all saw Jesus. They were, it was the time of the apostles and everything. And so, yeah, their lives were transformed in a way we just can't even understand. But he's like, do this all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what, what should be happening? Guess what, guys? The day is drawing nearer. We don't know how near it is, but I guarantee it's way more. It's 2,000 years nearer than it was back then. So we should be even more faithful about this than they were. What an amazing, amazing thing. So is worshiping alone or with one's family a valid replacement for regularly attending church? No, absolutely not. And being online, is, that's not the same thing. 
You cannot fulfill Scripture's commands. You cannot fulfill what, what, what we're called to fulfill in our mission, doing it that way. And how often should we neglect? What, what's the quota of like, how, how much should I have it in my mind that I'm like, okay, uh, uh, I can neglect meeting together this week. I've, I've been the last three weeks. I've been the last 10 weeks. I've been, I haven't missed a Sunday for a year. It doesn't matter. It says don't neglect gathering together. But I hope that it's the love of the Lord that will compel you in that way. Not me, not me, not you being like, well, Matt, he showed me this scripture that I've been misreading my whole life and now I gotta go to church. No, I hope that the love of the Lord will compel you, that you will see that all those times when we do neglect or that we want to neglect meeting together, it is a spiritual battle going on in our souls. And, and so often we let, we lose those spiritual battles. But I hope that what will happen is that your love for the Lord will say, you know what? I'm gonna put God in his place. I'm gonna put God's people in their place. I'm gonna put Satan in his place. And I'm gonna fight those spiritual battles like I've never fought them before. And I'm going to watch Satan whine and wither away because he's not going to get me this Sunday. That's my prayer for, you, for all of us.